Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Just returned from Grand Rapids from the Leadership Conference. It uh, held at Grace Bible College. It was good to see a lot of familiar faces. It was good to see some of the students from this church. Got to spend a lot of time with them. Uh, it was just to, just for a side note to encourage these uh, Kimmy Haney and okay, Kimmy Haney and Holly Haney and Nikki Gray and Josh Matthews and Calvin Nettleton. That uh, we want to encourage them. Send, drop them a card. Drop them, even if you don't know their immediate box number. The, 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 a note will get to them at GBC. It uh, when when Pastor Jim and Pastor Gary and I at different times walked onto campus, it was you'd walk. They just lit up, and you'd hear the squeal or the shriek or the or the hey, and and, I, and Calvin Nettleton tackled me and. Love comes in very in various ways. Okay, uh, it would would come to me, and I would uh, have an opportunity to just sit and talk with with them, and and the encouragement of just seeing a familiar face, family from home, it, it's it's a really big deal. So I just want to uh, encourage you to do that to share encouragement with them. Uh, when I got off of the plane, I was expecting snow. Chicago, I heard that they had gotten really hit with some snow and so I was overjoyed to see that the roads were clear and the sky was clear and it was nine degrees and uh, so I got my car and I, and I went up to Grand Rapids and, and the next morning I scraped all the ice off my windshield and I said yeah I'm home I'm back to where and then I had the next morning I had to take the snow off my car and then the next day I had to take this all through the day it really snowed it was cold and beautiful and um and the white blanket was everywhere, and I wore sunglasses on the grayest of days because the snow was just so bright. But it, it, it was good to be there, and, and it's really good to be home because I, I think after the second day I called, I let Candace know, I'd like to come home now because I miss you. I want to be home. But uh, one of the things I couldn't do while I was in Grand Rapids, which is kind of a big deal right now, I'm, I'm in the process of training for a 5K. Huh? You're supposed to go, whoa, yeah, ooh, yeah, whoa. The last time, it's, it's what? You never told me it was three miles. I mean, a 5K is just, okay. So I'm training for this 5K. Uh, the last time I actually ran a 5K, ran a 5K, I was 18, and I was about two or three months fresh off of the wrestling team where we ran two miles before practice to break a sweat. That's what our coaches said. And so I ran, you know, like the wind, and now I, I, I run somewhat like the doldrums. But I, it's, it's a wind nonetheless. But uh, So um, Candace signed me up for this. It's a World Vision 5K. It's, it's a fundraiser for World Vision. It's, it's to raise awareness and funds to uh, for, uh, uh, bring awareness for... Hu- World Concerns Anti-Human Trafficking Campaign. They, they use the money and they use the uh, for resources around the globe where they have their ministries to help the poor and, and protect people uh, and provide an education. And, and human trafficking is a, is a worldwide problem. And, and worldwide, it, it's in the United States as well. So this is a very good thing. And the youth have been encouraged to sign up. And you are encouraged to sign up. And we'd, we'd love to kind of partner some folks, if, even if you can't run, you can walk it. Uh, so part of my training, you know, I, I completed 
my first 5K since I was 18 last week. Yeah. Come on, bring it. Thank you. And I ran almost half of it. Yes, thank you very much. I have a personal trainer. I knew that there's no way. I've gained 60 pounds since high school, and there's just... What's so funny about that? So I knew that I needed to enlist some help. I needed to get someone who knew what they were doing because I never liked running. And, and, and Darren Nelton isn't here to help me with this. And, and so my personal trainer is my wife. She, ooh, she's been, she's been doing all the reading and she's been hitting the pavement. And she's been running. She's getting in shape and she's going after it. And so I have become Candace's personal trainer disciple. She's, she's helping me to to do this and now it's kind of kind of comical when five foot one and six foot four and a half are running because I, I run with her and then every once in a while honey I really gotta open this up. And she's like, okay. And it's great. And I get going for you know about ten, fifteen yards and then she catches back up to me as I realize I shouldn't have done that. But <laughs> I'm so eager to do what I'm being discipled that at times I, I don't stick with the one who's discipling me. I'm so eager to prove that the training I'm getting is working that I'm gonna, that I go, I go ahead of my training. I don't, my trainer. And then it really isn't about my trainer and where they want to take me. It's because about me. Proving myself. The Bible talks about another personal trainer that we have, obviously. And it comes through our ongoing connection with Jesus Christ himself. We're not being trained for the big 5K. We're being really trained for the spiritual marathon. We're being trained to, to walk this walk and run this run. And there's, you know, Paul has used so many illustrations about for, for running. But we are being trained by Jesus Christ himself. In Philippians, Paul says, I'm going to read from two verses. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. And then later in chapter 2, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. See, when I'm with Candace, it's do more, follow less. But scripture says when I'm with God, it is do less, Follow more. It's, a, it's, it's, it's mixed up right there. So I, the question is, how goes your personal training? How goes the run? Are you allowing God to work in you and through you and around you and with you in ways that you just cannot imagine? Are you trying to navigate under your own power Or are you navigating under the power of the Holy Spirit who is within you? Follow more. Do less. I believe that growing in our faith is really more about Jesus and less and less about us. And we're going to look at three observations from Ephesians 4, chapter 1, or sorry, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to ask you to turn there. And I'd also like to ask you to join me in prayer. 
Father God, again, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. An opportunity to open your word and to, to let it speak to us and to step into our hearts. May it not just stay in our heads and stay in our hearts, but rather, Lord, let it come out of our hands and our feet. Let it, let it become the actions of our lives. Empty us of us and fill us with you so the world may see your son through us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Could you, would you please do me a favor? Would you stand up with me as we read from Ephesians chapter 4? Paul writes, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. May he add his blessing to his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. Okay. We are in the middle of our Ephesians study. We're just hitting chapter 4 here. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, most folks feel are the heavier doctrinal issues, and we're turning the corner right now where it is going to be more practical application. I want to warn us and caution us right now that um, what we're applying is built upon the doctrine that we have just looked at for the last couple of weeks. There's, there's several things that Pastor Jim and Pastor Gary have, have brought to us that we need to plug in, and I'm not going to go back to all of them, but they are absolutely the foundation of, of everything that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, we, <coughs> pardon me. We have seen that God has called Paul to the ministry to the Gentiles. That, that we are chosen through grace, that we are saved apart from works of faith. We are saved through grace. We were created as a new creation for works that God himself has prepared for us in advance. It's about Jesus. And so the first observation I'd like us to look at from Ephesians chapter 4 is in verse 1, that Jesus really impacts our current situations. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul is reminding his readers about his current situation. As a prisoner, prisoner not good. For the Lord, good. Paul's recognizing that an everyday rotten situation by the world's standards when the Lord is attached, is good. Be thankful in all circumstances. Even the bad ones. Bad ones, he says with quotation marks. Because is it bad by the world standards? And if, you've incur- if, you, if you are bringing the Lord into the center of what you are experiencing You can see what God wants you to experience for your growth. You're plugged into him. So as a prisoner for the Lord then, prisoner not good, prisoner for the Lord, good. Opportunity to grow, good. 
Opportunity to witness. We know that Paul is literally chained to his guards on either side of him. Chained. Bad. Opportunity to witness. Good. Captive audience. Where has God planted you? Are you chained to a desk? Are you chained to a team at work? Are you chained to a neighborhood? Are you chained to fill in your own blank? Where has God planted you? He has given you an opportunity for witness. To show Christ's love. But I'd really much rather be exactly where God has you. Exactly where God has us. And so in that capacity, Paul says, live a life worthy. I I love the words used right here. There is a juxtaposition that we're going to look at here. Paul, a prisoner, is using live a life worthy. This word that's used, that we have translated live a life worthy, is a motion word. It's about walking around. It's about being active. To roam, to walk about, to be free, to have also, there's connotations that to have a direct contact, a direct influence, and a direct um, connection to someone or something. Do Do you see the juxtaposition? As a prisoner, run free. As a prisoner in the Lord, run free. Your circumstance, your situation does not chain you down. When you are with the Lord, you are free. The opportunities abound. Freedom. Being connected to Jesus Christ brings freedom. Being apart from Jesus Christ brings nothing. Nothing. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 15. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read this verse. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. How are we doing, Candace? Next stop sign. Next stop sign. Next stop sign. Okay. I think I'm going to open it up. Oh, mistake. Because she's training me and equipping me, and we hope that I'm going to run the full 5K. We hope. But you know what? If I fail, it's okay. Because I'm learning now more and more. It's not about the 5K and accomplishing the do. I'm enjoying the be. I'm with my wife. And we get to talk and run and experience a different dimension in our marriage that we've really not really ever had before in 22 years. I'm working, but I'm with. 
And I think the with is just as important as the working. <clears throat> and Jesus said, apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. I have a, a little illustration here that I want to bring down, bring over. Sorry to the choir. I forgot that you were going to walk through here and I crossed your path. <clears throat> but this is my, is my, my, my lamp of Christianity. <laughs> okay? It's nice, it's shiny, I like it because it's gold, it really has bright lights, one of those halogen bulbs that they want you to no longer have because you can burn down the house. Because it, can, it, 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 it is bright, and it's hot, and it's, it's alive, and it's off right now. And I would say that at the moment that we accept Christ, it's as though the switch is thrown. We become a new creation in Christ, we are ready to shine with God's light. It's on. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus was telling them that you've got to stay plugged in. It's one thing to become the new creation in Christ, which is, by the way, obviously a spiritual event, an occurrence that takes place that brings us into a connection relationship with Jesus Christ. But how often do we want to run ahead and we unplug. Oh, this better come on. <laughs> you see, apart from me, you can do nothing. But you stay connected to me, Jesus said in John 15. In verse 6, he said, If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. And ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my, this is to my Father's glory. It's not our glory. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's a connection here between our fruit and being a disciple, and people seeing this, and not seeing this. See, I just turned the switch off because I wasn't going to run over there. But if I left the switch on and was unplugged, they'd look the same. This is our testimony. This is our walk. People are not supposed to see us. Nice lamp. People are supposed to see the light. And that's what we're supposed to show. The second observation I would like to make for us is that Jesus impacts our ability to grow spiritual fruit. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The junior high uh, just wrapped up Last week, as, as while I was gone, Rob Fowler shared the last in the series. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And so, if I were to ask you, where would you go to study the fruit of the Spirit? Would you know? Galatians 5, 22, 23. Right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. Paul is juxtaposing between the internal growth and the external acts. You don't do righteous to get to heaven. You become righteous, and righteous is through you 
done through you through Jesus Christ. It's not about you. I'd like you to all keep... Oh, can you bring that back up? Thanks. Keep that up. Look at that. Tell me what observations you make as I read from Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I'll even read verse 7. But to each one of us, oh, this is a trick, grace has been given us as Christ apportioned it. Leave that up for me. What did you see? You saw fruit of the Spirit? Which ones? We have love, peace, patience, gentleness. Earlier in chapter 3, we'll see faith. In chapter 3 and in verse 7, we'll see, here's the trick, we'll see grace. Grace is the word, the, the root word kara, in which in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, Kara, I will say it again, kara, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Joy. So we've got another of the fruit of the Spirit alluded to here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Now, as you look at Paul's epistles, and this Galatians being his connection to tell us what the fruit of the Spirit are, as you read, pay attention. You should memorize the nine fruit of the Spirit. Pay attention as you read any of Paul's writings and watch for the fruit of the Spirit. Because I'm convinced it pops up everywhere. So the fruit of the Spirit isn't just this thing that we study in Galatians. It's this life we have. Jesus impacts our ability to grow spiritual fruit. So in verse 3, Paul says, Make every effort. Make every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And he lays the foundation of other fruit of the Spirit. It's through the other fruit of the Spirit we have the ability, we have the, um, I'll say, responsibility, the ability to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading to have unity. When we allow gentleness and patience, humility and love, to grow in us when we allow. But then we're told to make every effort. This sort of sounds like a works. Be, 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 now do. But again, this word is a movement word. This is an action word. This is a get up and get going word. It means to hasten or to be bent upon. Um, we, we, we do some of the hills around here. And the temptation is to slow down as you're going up the hill. Because, man, this is tough. But you bend. You, you become bent upon getting up that hill. We've got, on our phones, we've got this technology's Great. When we can look at our phone and we can see what pace we're keeping, and we try to keep the same pace going up the hill as if we are on a level, that'll get you going. That'll get the heart rate up. 
That'll, that'll grow your heart. And, and, and one of the examples I, I, I shared with the, the teenagers was, now maybe not all of you can do this and you'll understand why, but go back to a, go back as earlier in your life when your, when mom or dad or grandma or grandpa took you for the first time to the department store that had two levels and you came across that thing that drew your attention. You looked to it and said, yes, that beautiful escalator. <laughs> Do you remember? I, for me, it was, why did they have an alligator at the department store? I thought it was an alligator. Um, and you stood at the bottom of the one that was coming towards you. And you know that you thought to yourself, I can make it. I can do it. And you looked at your parent and depending upon how, where they were uh, with this whole situation and who was on the escalator at the time, perhaps you were given the opportunity to go for it. Now everything's a warning. No strollers, no this, no that, no life, no fun. Rules, 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 rules. Where's the joy in the rules? Okay, wait a minute. I didn't say that rules were bad, by the way. I just want to make sure that we understand rules are there for a purpose. Just see me getting in trouble for that. Here I go. And where do you start off? You start off with a little bit of, a little bit of flat, and then it goes into the arch. And you are hitting it, and you are running, and the joy watching, especially when they're younger. I can't make it. I can't make it. And if they... Not quite sure if I can make it. I think I'm going to take a break. I equate that with our spiritual walk. Paul, Paul said to the, to the Philippians, Therefore, for my friends, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The workout is our active involvement. It's not us doing things to receive grace. It's a partnership. It's, it's, it's sanctification. It's us working and allowing God to work in us. It's letting go. Because in the very next verse, in, in, and, and I'm in chapter 2, 12 and 13, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. It's not our work that accomplishes fruit. It is our desire. It is our desire to let Jesus work within us that allows Him to produce fruit through us. You're never going to produce fruit on your own. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You get to that place on the escalator when you say, almost. I think I've done rather well for myself. I believe my, crossing over here, my spiritual endeavor of working out my salvation with fear and trembling has been quite good. I'm rather proud of myself. I think we've done some good work, you and me, Lord. I think it's time to take a break.
Where are you going? Down. The moment you stop working out your salvation with fear and trembling, the moment you stop allowing God to work in you and you say, I got it from here. I got it from here. Down. Now, thankfully, because all illustrations fall apart, but I'll say thankfully when the moment we step on that escalator, we're on that escalator. We don't lose our salvation. And it doesn't matter where and how long you give up and let and just ride on your own power and go down. God is waiting. Take a step. Start moving. Start coming forward. He's there. He's there and he's waiting for you and he wants to pull you along and he wants to help you take those steps and he wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. So the third observation I'd like us to look at now, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. And this observation is quite simply, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. We saw the passage about having unity with each other, and we're looking at a passage here that is unity of God himself, the tri-unity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. See, it's all about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. We were called. We didn't call. We didn't cry out to God. He called to us. And we responded. The, the word calling there is, uh, uh, it's an aorist indicative passive. Wow. Because it's an aorist indicative passive, it means it was done at one point. You were called. Response. It's happened. Welcome home. You're on the escalator. The indicative means it was done with certainty. Not, well, I kind of guess maybe I'm saved. You are saved. When you accept Christ as your Savior and you respond to the call, done. Yeah, but the escalator, done. Don't let the do impact the who you are. Let the who you are impact the do. But it's all rooted in be. And it's a passive. A passive is a, word, is, is a verb that's been done to us. So once again, right here, I didn't do anything to merit salvation. On the contrary, I did everything to merit not having salvation, to not have Jesus But he's called me. He's called you. Respond. The calling of the Spirit calls us to Jesus. The calling of the Spirit calls us to faith. The Spirit then, it's all the Spirit's doing. The Spirit then baptizes us in Jesus. This isn't a water baptism. The context shows us this is not 
a physical water baptism. This is a spiritual immersion into the person of Jesus Christ. We receive his sinlessness, his justification. We become a new creation in Christ. We have been immersed into Jesus Christ. And there is furtherance in the thought of the unity we now have. Just as the tri-unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we now have a unity with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying we then have an opportunity for unity with each other. Is unity with each other an easy thing? Rhetorical question, don't answer that. But you still want to look around just to see if anybody did, because then you'll know what they were thinking. Just kidding. Unity can be tough. Unity can be really difficult. I think that's why it can only come through God and relying upon Him instead of ourselves to accomplish it. So the Spirit calls us to God. The Son is unified with the Father, and the Father is above all, He is over all. He is sovereign over every aspect of the believer's life. There's discussion among commentators as to whether this is God being over all of the world or God being over all Christians. I think we could, I think we could see that God, of course, is sovereign over everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, Psalm 24. It, he is sovereign over all. But most feel that in this context that, that Paul is trying to bring it home to these Christian believers so that they understand part of this being a new creation is part of, part of it is to, to recognize God is sovereign over every aspect of your life. Everything. And, and he's through all. He is imminent. He is accomplishing his will through us. Through us. How exciting is that? Um, there will not be a, a question and answer time later. There will not be no quiz, so don't worry. You can, you can go ahead and respond. How many of you this week, and I want you to look around, how many of you this week, by show of hands, has seen God move this week? Look around, look around, look around. How many of you have seen God move through you? Oh, the temptation, says Kevin, from my personal life, from my personal walk. Oh, the temptation to see God move through me and be able to say, they love me. Or, I did so well. We're right on that cusp, all of us. That's the flesh speaking to us, trying to gain the attention back and take it away from Christ. It is God who works through us. He is imminent and he accomplishes his will through our willful submission. And he is in all 
His Spirit indwells us. It seals us. It leads us. In your own time, specifically Romans chapter 8, but you can read Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8 to get a further idea of Paul's, Paul's understanding of this, of how the Spirit just moves. Senior high is... Uh, each, each year I like to pick a... I like to pick a, a theme for the year, and I, it's a challenge because you want to come up with a theme that is like a big umbrella, and you can have different series and different things underneath it, and, and different things to study. And the senior high this year is, is, is studying uh, a series that, or a, a, a series called, uh, well, here, let's see if we can get, it was the best of times, and that is from... A Tale of Two Cities, and that is exactly the theme that the senior high are studying. It is a tale of two cities. City number one, Ego, Centre, City. And city number two, Christo, Centre, City. Egocentricity, Christocentricity. And the question is, which city do you want to live in? Or which city are you living in? (sighs) Rules are good. God's rules are perfect. They show us the parameters of the freedom he wants us to have. But when we make our walk all about his rules, or all about rules, we start to lose the idea of the hope and the grace that he's given us. It's Really here, Paul is telling us in Ephesians chapter 4, it's all about him. How can we apply this? Is your job your job? Or is your job the gift from God that, that pays bills, puts clothing on your back and your children or your grandchildren or feeds you. Perhaps there's extra. Did he give you extra for you? Maybe. I didn't say that it was, you weren't allowed to use it, but as long as you use it for you, you're using it in a way that honors God and you're Christocentric with it. Is your spouse your spouse? I tell you, my husband, my wife, the partner the Lord has given you that you were called to and you responded and you said yes. Yeah, but that's over here, actually. Because this marriage is about me. No, it's not. This marriage was ordained and given to you by Christ. This is his marriage. If you looked at your spouse through the eyes of Jesus and said, this is this man is a child of God. He is a son of the king. He is redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And he is my gift. And if you said this woman is a daughter of the king, is a princess who was beautifully and wonderfully made, and she was given to me, Not for my pleasure, but for his honor and glory. What if your boss wasn't your boss, but it was the person that God placed in your life to be over you and to teach you and to help you grow? What if 
everything in our lives stopped being egocentristic. Have it your way. Be all you can be. Have it and have it now. You deserve it. The earth is Lord's and everything in it. You, me, everything. If we took a Christocentric position on you name it, our entertainment, our speech, the way we look at people, the way we look at an unsaved world, that could radically shift everything. I know. Because I think that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to radically shift everything. Jesus impacts our current situations. He impacts our ability to grow spiritual fruit. And in short, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about God the Father. It's all about Him. Growing in our faith is more about Jesus and it's less about us. Faith? Let your light shine before all men so that they may praise your Father in heaven. They may see this and praise Him. Let's be Christocentric in all that we do. Let's put God first. Just a reminder tonight, come to the service. I'm looking real forward to this, uh, the, the Last Supper presentation by our sister church in Port Orchard. Come join us tonight. Pay attention to what's going on in the schedule, and we will see you this evening.